Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. You, you wait that little bit too long and then the moment passes, worship moves on and you're left with that kind of regret of, oh, it's something I really should have shared. Um, I feel I've missed the, missed the chance. And um, today was a fantastic time of worship. The worship band are doing amazing things. And actually today, I didn't doodle, but a couple of weeks ago, I did. And I thought, oh, I really thought God, that was something I should have brought. And I thought, I'm preaching in a couple of weeks. I'll just share it at the beginning. <laughs> um, so if you can indulge me for one second. Um, we're continuing with our Mark series, um, Following the King. And... Um, actually, this series has been ready to go for about nearly a year, actually. And um, the timing has felt right now, actually, for me personally, and I think for the church. Um, as we've been going through it, you've probably been getting the idea that um, it's quite action-based. There's not these long bits of teaching. It's Jesus does this, he does this. Um, some would say even like uncomplicated, even quite simplistic kind of telling um, of his ministry. And... Um, by saying simple, I'm not using that as a criticism, actually. You think in many, many years ago, to call someone simple would be essentially saying they're stupid. But actually, um, for someone like me who overcomplicates things, um, simple things are really, um, really useful, actually. And um, if you think about the political situation um, in our country, if you think about the political situation internationally, the world can seem a very complex place. And it can be overwhelming, and we can forget that actually there's a very simple problem at the root of it, and it's people's sin, and there's a very simple solution, and it's Jesus. And I say that because um, for those of us who overcomplicate things, you can begin to doubt the simple solutions. You can think, oh, no, surely that's too easy. But no, it's not. It's Jesus. Um, (laughs) Today we're going to be looking at Mark um, 1, um, 35 to 39. And as I've been looking at this passage, actually, it's been making me think of another gospel, a section in the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And it's when it has one of these long pieces of teaching by Jesus, and it's about him being the bread of life. And then um, Jesus kind of finishes teaching, and it's clear that the disciples are finding it, his followers are finding it very challenging. And they say... This is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And he goes on a bit more, and it then becomes clear that it's so hard for them that they kind of, they desert Jesus, they abandon the faith. Now, I have to say, confession time, there have been occasions where I'm sat where you are now, there's been a talk, and I've been finding it hard. It's been challenging. And if you looked at me, you might see me looking intently at my Bible, even maybe nodding encouragingly along with the preacher. But on the inside, I'm thinking, this is hard teaching. Who can accept it? And um, it's the truth is there's parts of the Bible that we do find challenging, we struggle with, we find it hard. And I I mention that because, to be honest, really, um, the passage we're going to look at today deals with a topic that I struggle with, actually. I find um, difficult. And I want it to, to be honest and say I'm not standing here claiming that Um, I'm perfect. What I'm hoping is that God will speak through me um, and through his word. But also because um, don't resist what God might be trying to do in you. Just because it might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable 
doesn't mean that he's not speaking. And if he's revealing something, he's always revealing something for a purpose. Um, so let's read the passage. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, it will appear on the screen. Um, Mark 1, verses 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout, the, um, throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you that you speak. You've already spoken powerfully for our worship and people's prophetic words this morning. Um, Lord, I really just do pray that you continue to speak to people. Lord, I pray, um, we pray for transformation. We pray for change. We pray for your spirit to bear fruit in people's lives. And um, Lord, we worship you. We want you to be um, glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, sometimes generalizations can't be help, aren't help, always helpful, but I do think it's fair to say that you get morning people and you get evening people. So morning people, I know it sounds strange to hear, they, they love getting up early. For them, the most productive part of the day is, is the morning. So they, for them, they're not interested in a line. They get up, they do lots of stuff. Evening people... That just sounds like the worst thing ever. They love to lie in. And actually, um, for them, the evenings are their most productive times. That's when they get kind of um, things done. When Emma and I were first married, um, Emma is a morning person. She would get up early. Um, she'd maybe go for a really long run, have a, like, a time of prayer, have a chilled out breakfast. And I would sleep. And um, that's how it was um, until we had kids. And um, what I can say is God has powerfully used those children of mine to mould and shape me into the morning person I never wanted to be. Um, and it's clear the first part of this, um, of this passage in Mark is about prayer. Uh, it looks at Jesus' prayer life. So, and for those of you maybe here who are, who are still evening people, it might be a bit of a challenge because it begins with the words, very early in the morning. This is hard teaching. And then it goes on to say, while it was still dark. So you start to think, how early is this? Is that not nighttime? Um, now, I'm not here to kind of advocate a um, particular time to pray. Um, what you can't get away from is Jesus prioritised prayer. Um, all the things that we told that Jesus did in verse 36 demonstrate that prayer was of the utmost importance for him. He gets up early, he leaves where he's staying, he finds um, a solitary place. Um, in Mark, as I said, it's kind of all action, doing the miraculous, casting out demons, but the gospel reminds us that Jesus never forgot the importance of prayer. I think he knew that if his um, earthly ministry... Um, was um, to meet the needs of the people he encountered, his needs would need to be met um, through prayer. Um, and this week, I've read a few useful definitions of prayer, and they help me get to grips with why, not um, should we pray, but why we pray. Um, prayer can be defined as the appeal of the soul to God. 
Um, this one's my favorite, I have to say. Not to pray is the incredible folly of ignoring the possibilities of, of, of adding God's, of God to our resources, I should say. In prayer, we give the perfect mind of God an opportunity to feed our mental powers. Now, if you think about Jesus, Jesus needed to pray. To do what he did, he needed to spend time with his father. If you think of those definitions, we're left with maybe the uncomfortable reality of, if that's all true, why is it so, why is it so difficult? Um, and what I wanted to do quickly is um, look at three barriers that possibly can prevent us um, from praying. Um, first, it's time. And actually, I should have adapted a PowerPoint. That should maybe be lack of time. Uh, life is busy, places numerous demands on us. And I think for me, that's my struggle. Prayer is a struggle because I just struggle to find the time. And, and at points in my life, my kind of prayer life has, or lack of it and changing it, has seemed overwhelming. And when something's overwhelming, instead of thinking about the whole thing, it might be important to take a small step. And last year, that's what I did. Um, I have a 15-minute drive to work, and just one day, I made a decision. In turn, instead of turning on the radio, I didn't turn it on, and I just prayed for 15 minutes. Very simple, one small step. A bit before that, Emma and I decided just in the evening to set some time aside to talk through our days, uh, to, um, and to pray about, uh, and, just, and just then to pray. Another small step. And if I'm being honest, I can't stand here and claim that these are the most profound times of prayer. Um, what they have been is incredibly helpful. They help me connect with God, and the very act of doing them reminds me that um, there's more to the everyday. I have a more important calling, a more important purpose, and a more important relationship. And maybe if prayers struggle for some of you, it's like, where can you take those small steps? Because actually the reality is it's the accumulation of those small steps that often get you to where you need to be. Um, the second one is actually, the second barrier is those closest to us. It's interesting to read what happens when Jesus is praying. Simon and his companions search for him, and when they find him, they're saying, everyone is looking for you. And the implication is like, Instead of praying, Jesus should have been doing something else. Uh, Jesus' um, behavior points to him prioritizing prayer in his life, but his prayer life wasn't a priority for everyone else. These weren't people who disliked Jesus. These weren't people who hated him, disliked his ministry. They were his disciples, <laughs> his companions. Um, as I said before, life can be hectic. And busyness definitely distracts us from prayer, but it's not always bad things. It can be good things, and actually it can be those closest to us and those we love. Uh, putting boundaries in your life to make sure you're spending time praying is easy to do with those who aren't, aren't close to you. It's easy to give a firm no to someone you dislike. If they want a bit of your time and you don't like them, it's easy to say no. It's a lot harder to say no to someone you love. And... The guilt sets in. I'm neglecting my friends, my family. Um, I'm not meeting my responsibilities. Now, don't ignore your family and things. I'm not saying that, but experience tells me that I'm a much better husband, much better father, much better teacher 
when I'm in that place of peace that comes from having prioritized prayer in my life. Um, just a point on that. Society places quite high expectations on fathers of young children, but it doesn't compare to the expectations that it places on mums. And I just wanted to... Uh, I know sometimes I, I tread carefully with this, um, not being a mum myself, but to the numerous mums that we have in Beacon of young children, uh, you know... I don't have to go through them. You know the unhealthy expectations society can put on you to be the perfect mum. Um, don't let fear of society's judgment mean that you don't set aside some time for prayer. If, if carving out a little bit of time for prayer means the kids watch a little bit more TV, that's fine. <laughs> nothing, um, nothing bad is going to happen. Um, the final barrier, and probably the most significant one, is not getting God's true character. Uh, this is the last, but probably the most significant one. There are strong opinions about God, and people who don't even believe he exists have very strong opinions about him, and very negative um, opinions. And those ones can see, and they can kind of affect us, even unconsciously. And often because of the, bar- um, the baggage that we carry, we don't see God as he truly is, and in some ways he's almost diminished in our eyes. There's the classic misconception like he's this angry father, He's up there in heaven, disappointed with you. Or the policeman in the sky who's just waiting for you to do something wrong so he can catch you out. And if those things really take hold in your life, that kind of, those lies essentially, you're left with the kind of feeling of, why would I want to pray to something, someone like that? Why? Because prayer is communication. Why would I want to communicate with this angry, disappointed father? Um, the only solution to that is to spend time reflecting on who he truly is. Uh, do you know, in some ways, I, I love delegating tasks at work and everything, and thankfully this morning, the worship and the words have done what I really wanted, um, I was going to do next. Um, you just need to think about who he is. Dave's word. He, what we see as impossible is nothing for God. That's the God who loves you. And actually, that's the most important point. He loves you. Um, You are made in the image of God. So this creator of the universe, who can do all things, made you, and you bear his imprint. So if anyone's sitting here feeling worthless, you are made in the image of God. He knows everything you have done, are are doing, and will do. And that includes our thoughts. Yet he still loves you. Through his spirit, he speaks to us. It's not some one-way relationship. We speak to him. He speaks back. And as we reflected on in communion, he sent the thing most precious to him, his son, Jesus, to die on a cross, rise again, so that we could be reconciled to him. God isn't apathetic or distant. In terms of bringing you back to him, he did, he gave the most precious thing, he gave it all. That's how much he loves you. And feels words. Sometimes circumstances can be tough, um, 
and they don't always change, but that heavenly perspective of knowing that one day Jesus is coming back, every wrong will be righted, our new heavens, new earth, the dead will be raised, and you will spend eternity with him. When you know and understand those truths, why wouldn't you want to spend time in prayer with such a person? Um, It's not about striving. It's not about trying to do the right things. It is a relationship. And reflecting on God's character makes you want to pray. Not that you have to. It makes you want to pray because of who he is. Uh, it's award season at the moment, particularly around films and everything. I think there was the BAFTAs a few weeks ago. I think maybe either today there might be the Razzies, which celebrate all that is bad in films. So the kind of it has worst film, worst actress. And it's true that sometimes you watch a film and you come to the end and you're like, that's stolen like two hours of my life (laughs) that I'm never going to get back. Um, Tonight, there's the Oscars, which celebrate, well, try to celebrate what is good. And every now and then, you watch a film that the the plot is magnificent. It, like, draws you in. Um, You cut the characters are fantastic. And the credits begin to roll. And it's like you've been changed. Um, Finding Nemo, for me, is one such film. Um, So... We're going to watch a clip in a bit, but if you haven't seen Finding Nemo um, before, it really is about um, um, a father, Marlin, whose son, Nemo, is uh, captured um, by scuba divers, taken away from the ocean and put in a a fish tank, bizarrely, in a dentist's um, office. And it's really about Nemo and, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Marlin and um, Dory's search for Nemo. It's quite an odyssey. They come across a number of barriers along the way. Um, spoiler alert, they do find him in the end, so it all works out okay. And we're just going to watch a, um, a clip now of one of the interesting people they meet along the way. The danger of showing a film clip in a preacher is everyone's like, can't we not just carry on watching? Yeah. Uh, we're big fans of Finding Nemo in my, uh, my house. It has had the unfortunate consequence that my daughter, Naomi, now believes that great white sharks are hilarious. And I have had the bizarre conversation saying, if you do ever happen to come across one, <laughs> please remember they are dangerous. Uh, so, Bruce, he's a, he's a great character. And in some ways, there's lots to admire. He really, really wants to change. He recognises there's something wrong. Too much fish. Uh, He knows some important truth for him. Well, for him, I should say. Fish are friends, not food. And I think Owen's not here at the moment, but I'm sure he'd appreciate his attempt. He's no longer in his shark clique. He's reaching out to kind of fish. He's really, truly trying to cross the divide and everything. Um, But when temptation comes... There's that bit of blood from Dory's wound. He quickly forgets it all, and he's after them. Despite all his efforts to control his behaviour, he hadn't really got that he couldn't change himself. Jesus prioritised prayer and was a man of purpose. He tells Simon, let's go somewhere else, to, nearby, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus then goes through Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, 
and I'm casting out demons. It doesn't say what he preached. Um, Earlier in the book of Mark, it says he announced the good news. The kingdom of God has um, um, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. We know from the first chapter of the Gospel of John uh, that the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So it's likely that Jesus was preaching repentance, announced the coming of the kingdom of God, made a call to believe the good news, and all that preaching was full of grace and truth. That was a massive change back then. Up to that point, it had been about the law, following the law. Jesus preached the good news. It's not about earning God's acceptance. Because of Jesus, we receive the acceptance through repentance and faith. It's not about trying to change yourself. It's about being open to Jesus changing you. It is a trap that we can fall into, thinking that spiritual transformation, sanctification, when we are being made holy, is a matter of human effort. It's one that's easy to fall into, but it is one we can get out of um, quite easily as well. So my question for you this morning is, how are you trying to change yourself? For me, um, as I I mentioned earlier, I maybe have a tendency to overcomplicate things. I think that often can go hand in hand with worry. You kind of see the world as a very complex case, very um, complex place, very complicated. And with that, you're like, oh, oh no, what do I do? And you can worry about the future. You try to plan for every eventuality. And the reality for me is the planning doesn't help. The worrying doesn't help. Really what I need to do is let um, Jesus come in and show me that he's got everything in control. My future's in his hands. Do you lie? Is that, and you're trying, you recognise that you're not in denial, you lie. And the reason you do that is because you're worried of what people will think about you. And you're trying to say, I need to be honest, I need to tell the truth. But the reality is, Jesus needs to get to the root of it and show you, you don't have to be fearful of people's opinions. You have a security that comes from him. You have an identity that comes from him. Every now and then, a company develops a product. Uh, It goes out to the shops, and they start to sell it. Um, But it becomes apparent that there's, there's a problem. There's something wrong, and it's not with one or two of them, it's with the whole batch, every single one of them. There's some kind of inherent design flaw. When that happens, the manufacturer often does something, it's called like a product recall. Some kind of communication goes out and says something's wrong with this product, it needs to go back to its manufacturer, and I think it's because it's an understanding, if anyone's going to fix the problem, it's going to be the person or people who made it. Here in Mark, Jesus is announcing a product recall. You're flawed. Not just one or two of you, every single one. There is something inherently wrong with you, your sin, and it needs dealing with. You are slaves to sin, and no matter how hard you try, you can't truly change. All you end up doing is trying to change yourself through your own strength. And what he's saying is, it's time to go back to your creator. But the difference is, we know sin separates us from God, the wrong things we do, the wrong attitudes. So not only does Jesus highlight the problem, 
Not only does he announce it to the people, he also shows he's the very means through which it can be solved and overcome. God sent his son to live the perfect life, to die the perfect death, and to rise again. Jesus defeated sin and death and made a way for us to return to to that amazing father that we've been thinking about this morning and experience true transformation to truly overcome all that seeks to bring us down. Don't try to change yourself. It's exhausting and it doesn't work. Uh, We're going to have a time to respond. The band are going to come up um, to play. Jesus wasn't dismissive of people's physical needs, but he never lost sight of the spiritual dimension. Um, And as um, as the band plays, if prayer is a struggle for you, come to the front. I think there's people here who would love to pray for you. If prayer is a struggle, you grapple with it, you don't feel connected to God, come to the front and we'll pray for you. If you are trying to change yourself in your own strength, that you're trying to grapple with things and it's just, you're you're kind of almost, it's like you're stuck, come to the front as well because I think God wants to do something in you. God wants to release you from that. And if you think of how much he loves you, all that he has done for you, would he want you to live a life where you're just struggling with that? No, he wouldn't. He wants to set you free. Now, we were, um, a few of us were talking this morning. We sometimes said about responses, and I get this, I don't like coming to the front. But actually, if you think about it, the very act of coming out is kind of, it's like humility. And maybe in doing that, for some of us here, that will be an important step. It might just be like demonstrating that actually I can't change myself. I need to accept that. I can come forward and actually begin to allow um, God to change me. I'm just going to pray quickly. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you that, uh, that you are so good to us. You are good, you love us, um, you don't um, reject us. Lord, we thank you for your son, that, uh, that he came and he changed everything. Lord, it's no longer about striving, it's no longer about earning something that seemed impossible. He has made a way for us to come to you. Lord, I thank you that true transformation doesn't depend on me, it depends on you. And Lord, I pray that this morning, um, people who are who are exhausted through trying to change themselves will know that they can be changed by you. And actually, the change you bring about lasts. The change you bring about bears fruit. Our Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We love you. You are good to us. In Jesus' name. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.